Happy birthday, everybody. Woo, eight years. Unreal. You know, if I had a nickel for every time I got handed a fake tattoo in church, <laughs> I'd have a nickel. Don't say we didn't stop at anything to bless you. Love it. You guys, I, I, you have no idea how thankful I am to not be doing announcements today. I'll just be honest with you. No, I, I mean, really, it's kind of a rotation deal, and thank heavens that I get this part of the service today. Man, welcome. We're just so glad you're here. This is Awakening Part 4, and we are wrapping up and concluding this Awakening series that we've been in for the last four weeks, and uh, what, an, what, an, what an amazing time we've had over the last few weeks talking about the awakening of the resurrection and talking about awakening in so many different areas. Well, today I want to talk about the awakening of the local church, the awakening of the church. See, as we conclude this, this whole deal, starting with the resurrection and then tracking through the first uh, you know, chapter or two of the book of Acts, where we end up is in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, it's actually not the end, it's actually the beginning of what we know as the local church. And we've been talking about that for the last couple of, couple of weeks. And, and I, w- I want to talk about it today in particular because uh, Acts chapter 2 has really been uh, such, a, such a theme, such, a, uh, such a, a track for us as a church to run on for the last eight years. And if I'm being honest with you, I, I, I would say this, that today, our eighth anniversary, I really believe represents um, a, a dividing line in our church. And I can't tell you how, how strong I have felt this in my spirit for the last few weeks coming up to today, because more than a tailgate party, more than an anniversary, more than tattoos or frisbees or any other things that will happen, and they will happen, more than any of that, today represents a dividing line in our church, in the history of Next Level Church, because I really believe that what we have been in a lot of ways, moving forward, we will no longer be. See, when, when Sarah and I moved here um, eight years ago, to start Next Level, we had a dream of creating a place like this, creating a, an environment, creating a church, a space, a body of believers, a community of believers like this, that had been different than anything we had ever seen before. And it was interesting because the first four years or so of the church were pretty much just about church planting. And it was interesting because um, for, I had a friend back in Indiana who was a youth pastor, and he, he told me a long, long time ago, he said, Matt, about every four years, I find myself in youth ministry kind of having to go through one of those re-up moments where you kind of re-up for the deal. He said, you know, you see a group of freshmen come in, you see them grow, mature, become leaders, and then about every four years, that, that you know, particular group, they graduate out. And he said, every four years when I graduate out another one of those leadership groups, you know, that were just solid and made that youth ministry what it was, he said, I, I find myself th- where I go through this, this soul-searching period, this, this period where I have to search my heart and say, can I do this again? Am I up for another four years? And I actually put this principle in my book that I wrote uh, a year or so ago because I, I felt like it was such a powerful thing, and I believe it's been a powerful thing for me personally as a leader here at Next Level, but, but also for each and every one of us. Because four years ago, I, it was during the holidays, and I can remember our church it was right in that four-year zone, four years old, and I can remember going through about a two-and-a-half or three-week period of time where I felt the way my youth pastor friend had described it to me all those years ago, where I had to re-up, that I looked around our church and I realized that 
the church I had pastored and was, had started four, four years ago, over the last four years, was not the church I would pastor the next four years. That see, the first four years of Next Level Church were all about church planting, about planting a church. And, and we said often in those early days, we're just making it up and, you know, we weren't real sure and just trying to get our, our legs under us and figure things out. But four years ago, when, when our church was about four years old, I can remember going through one of those seasons where I had to search my heart and say, am I willing to re-up? Because I'm no longer a church planter. The, the excuse of, well, we're just starting out and making it up doesn't work after four years. It just doesn't work. That at some point, you're just a local church. You just know you're a church in this community, established, whatever. And, and here's what I think. I believe that today represents another one of those strategic re-up moments. Not just for me, not just for our leadership team and our pastors, but I believe for each and every one of us who call Next Level Church our home. I believe that today is one of those dividing line moments where we have the challenge before us of re-upping our commitment to what God is doing in this particular local church because the first four years were about church planting or planting a church. The, the last four years have been about establishing a local church. But I believe the next four years and beyond of Next Level Church will be about leadership. I believe that from this moment forward, what we have been, we will no longer be because there is an anointing and a responsibility of leadership, guys, that is coming on us as a local church. Leadership here in our community, leadership here in Fort Myers, in Southwest Florida, and I believe leadership on a national level as well. That God has not just allowed us the ability to establish a local church, but he's allowed us the ability and the privilege now to step into a place of responsibility, of leadership, where we begin to recognize all that God has given and placed within us so that we can lead here in Southwest Florida. We can lead in the body of Christ. We can lead nationally. We can make our impact and make his impact and his fame famous throughout the nation, throughout the earth. And particularly throughout Southwest Florida, I believe that today represents a day where we will re-up. So what are you saying, Matt? Are you saying that we're going to change? Yes. And no. Yes, because what we've been, we will no longer be to some degree. Because the anointing for leadership that is upon us now requires that we step into it. That we grab a hold of responsibility. It's like getting a driver's license. There's a responsibility here in Southwest Florida as well as our nation. So, so yes, what we have been is changing, but no. Who we are at our core will never change. And no matter what responsibility of leadership or growth or, or influence God would bring to Next Level Church in the next four or eight or, or years or beyond, we will never compromise and change who we are. That we are committed to being the same Acts chapter 2, New Testament church of Jesus Christ like we have always been since day one. That will never change. So here's what I want us to do. Today I want to talk about the awakening of the local church. And I want us to go to the book of Acts chapter 2 and look at the model that we have modeled Next, Left, Next Level Church after for the last eight years. Because in Acts chapter 2, here's what happens. There's kind of this motley crew of people, about 120 of them gathered in an upper room. 
and they're praying and they're seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit falls upon them and it begins to spill out of the upper room into the streets and all of a sudden there's kind of chaos in a good way all through the streets of Jerusalem until finally Peter has to stand up and address all of these people who are looking around going, what is this move of God? What is happening in our city? And so Peter stands up and he looks at this, this, this huge group of people and he preaches to them the message of Jesus. And then look at verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Look at what it says. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. And then the remainder of the chapter, the next six or so verses, lays out the priorities of the first local church. And these priorities were things that they did not compromise. They did not change, no matter how big they got, no matter how many people were added, no matter the leadership responsibility that this local church eventually grew itself into, no matter what happened, these were the priorities. So I want us to look at the remainder of these verses for the next few minutes today. Because I believe that these verses have set the course for us for eight years, and I believe these verses will set the course for us as a church for the next eight years and beyond. So what are some of those things that we're going to keep doing as a church? If you've got your bulletin and you want to write these down, I, I hope you will. Here's the first one. Number one, we're going to keep baptizing people. We're going to keep baptizing. Did you see it in verse 41? Those who accepted his message were baptized. I love that. Repent and be baptized. So those who heard the message of Jesus and accepted it, their next step was to, baptize, to be baptized. And I, I just want you to know something. Listen. We experienced something supernatural last week, didn't we? Unbelievable. We baptized 49 people last week. Woo! Yeah. And so I just want you to know, listen, we're going to keep baptizing people. We're going to keep doing that. But why? Because, because marriages... Were, were changed last week. People were committing their lives to Christ. We had husbands and wives baptizing each other. We had dads baptizing their kids. Man, we had teenagers. We had junior high students. You name it. We, listen, we had grandparents, young and old. We are committed to keep baptizing people because Jesus said that's what you're supposed to do. Share the message of Jesus and then get them baptized. So we're going to keep doing that. That is something that we as a church are not going to compromise on. It's crazy to think that in the last six months we baptized close to a hundred people that is awesome that is awesome that is what next level church is about then he goes on verse 41 it says they those who heard the message accepted it and were baptized so we're going to we're devoted we're going to keep baptizing people no matter what that's just how we're going to do it that's what we're going to do that's how we roll what's up now awesome so verse 42 he goes on look they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching here's the second thing that we as a church have been devoted to for the last eight years and are not going to stop doing. This is part of who we are. We are going to keep devoting ourselves to teaching the word of God. Make no mistake about it. Listen, make no mistake about it. We believe this book, the Bible, is the living, active, and powerful word of God that holds within it the keys to life. And we are going to do everything we possibly can think of to creatively and effectively reinforce this message in the hearts of people every single week. We are not going to compromise the word of God. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this about the Bible. Look, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness. And here's, here's why. So that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's that mean? That means this. That in order for you and I to navigate life effectively, in order for you and I to become everything God has created for us to become, in order for you and I to be all that Jesus created us to be, we got to get in this book. We got to know what's written in here. We got to understand it. I was teaching at a conference in Orlando this week, and after my session, I had a guy come up and he said, I'm going to plant a church in South America. And I talked about how uh, the generations and how they're different and this and that. And he comes up to me and he basically starts to talk to me about the generations happening in South America and how it's sort of behind what's happening in America. And he started asking me questions about this. And I looked at him and I said, here's what we have to understand. In this culture, in the United States of America, we're no, living in, no longer living in a post-Christian nation. Which means we, we heard the truth and we chose not to believe it. We're post-Christian. I looked at this guy and I said, we're living in a pre-Christian nation again. And here's what that means. That means that there is an entire generation of children and teenagers and, and young people into their 20s now who have never heard the word of God. Who've never, they weren't raised understanding that Moses got eaten by a big fish. We laugh. You know why we laugh? Because we know it wasn't Moses, it was Noah. Did you notice how loud the laughter was? The second laughter? We're living in a pre-Christian nation where children and young people don't know even the basic stories of the Bible, much less the, the powerful principles that have the ability to transform their lives. And so I just want to go on record and tell you that the next eight years of Next Level Church, we are committed and we will continue to be committed to devoting ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God. And we're going to use creativity, we're going to use silly stuff, and we're going to give away Tic Tacs and tattoos and Frisbees and Lifesavers and Snicker Bars and weird stuff, whatever. You know why? Because we want to reinforce what God says. And so we'll do anything short of sin to make sure that the Word of God gets in the hearts of the next generation. Number three, what are we going to be as a church? We're going to keep prioritizing life together. We're going to keep prioritizing life together. Verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, look at the next part, and to fellowship, and to fellowship, to relationship. We believe that life was never meant to be lived alone. The truth is life, this thing we call life, is too hard to try and live it alone. We need each other. That's why we at Next Level Church have created relational on-ramps that we call connection groups. That's why we have connection groups, guys. And I love our connection group philosophy. It's an interest-based philosophy. What's that mean? It basically means whatever you're interested in, don't stop doing that. Just add intentionality to it. So if you're interested in reading the Bible, then lead a group. If you're interested in scrapbooking, then lead a group. If you're interested in wiffle ball, come on, somebody then lead a group or start a league, which I'm thinking about doing. I'm praying it through. It's all right. All of you wannabe wiffle ballers, bring it. That's what I'm talking about. Interest-based. You interested? Till I beat you down. 
Wow. Well, enough about me. I love our interest-based philosophy of connection groups here at Next Level because they provide easy on-ramps from Bible study groups to women's groups that study Beth Moore to, to business leadership groups to scrapbooking or, or scuba diving, whatever. I, I love it. And, and here's why. Because the primary purpose of our connection groups, more than anything else that happens in them, be it an activity or, or you know, whatever, or, or even Bible study, the primary purpose of our connection groups at Next Level Church is relationship. So whatever you're interested in, add intentionality to it. Because, see, we don't want anyone to have to walk out this life alone. That's not the Bible's intention. In fact, the, the early church, the first local church in Acts chapter 2, this was their priority. The apostles' teaching and fellowship, relationship. And, and I'll just be honest with you. Listen, we have to take the first step. Here's the caveat. We have to take the first step. I, I, can I be honest? It, it, it bugs me a little bit, and I don't know what bug means, whatever. And forgive me if, if this sounds uh, harsh. I don't mean it that way. But when people go, yeah, I just don't, I just don't know anybody at church. I, just, I feel like I can't connect with anybody. What? What? That's exactly what our connection groups are for. Man, my mom taught me at an early age, if you want friends, you have to be friendly. Take the first step. Step out there. Put yourself out there. Is it, is it weird? Is it awkward? Sure. But listen, these are some of the greatest people in the world. Nobody should walk alone. Listen, just take the first step. I guarantee you. Once you push past a little bit of awkwardness, there's an amazing life of people who know you, who love you, who care about you, who, you, who want to walk with you no matter what we're facing. So don't ever look around and go, oh, it's too big, I don't know anybody, it's too <laughs> No, please don't. Don't walk alone. Why? Because their priority in the local church and our priority as a local church is to create relational on-ramps where you and I can meet other people and rub shoulders with other people and do life together with other people who share the same faith we do. Don't miss that opportunity. Here's the deal. We are coming to an end. We're right at the end of one of our semesters of connection groups. But next week, you're actually going to hear us talk about leading. If you want to lead a connection group, and again, through the interest-based model, all of us can do that. You're going to hear us talking about that next Sunday, and then we're launching our summer semester, which is a smaller semester, of connection groups May 23rd. So listen, you're only a few weeks away from relational on-ramps here at Next Level with our connection groups. And we need you to lead. We need you to step up. Why? Because we want to be a church that provides opportunities for every one of us to be able to connect and do life with someone else. Number four, we as a church are going to continue to devote ourselves to communion and prayer. To communion and prayer, just like the, the early church, the first local church. Look what it says in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. To the breaking of bread and prayer. From time to time, people will ask us about when and how we do communion. Celebrate the Lord's Supper for some of us. See, here's what we believe. We believe that communion or, or, or the breaking of bread is a powerful symbol and practice of a local church. However, like any good thing in our lives... If it's overdone, 
it can lose its power. I don't know if you ever noticed that. I, it, it, I noticed it in myself uh, recently when I, was, when I was talking to my wife on the phone. Because I, I started picking up on the fact that every time I talked to my wife, be it a one-minute conversation or a 30-minute conversation, at the end of it, I would say, right before we'd hang up, I'd say, love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Until I said it to Mike Ash one time. <laughs> That's when I got a little freaked out. It's like, hey, man, it's good. Yeah, all right, love you, bye. My words had lost their power. Do I love my wife? Yes. Do I love Mike Ash? Yes. But they're different, people. Man. And suddenly I realized I love you to my wife is such a powerful statement. But I had reduced it down at least over the phone to love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. It lost its power. Well, see, we think communion has the ability to lose the power, too. When it's done in ritual or routine, it has a way of losing its power like that. Well, we never want the communion experience here at Next Level to be some just ritual or routine or thing on a calendar that we just kind of do. We don't want it to just be love you, bye. We think something powerful happens when you and I come together and we break bread. And we... we drink the juice and we we remember the lord's sacrifice on the cross the, the price that he paid for us we never want it to just be reduced to first sunday of the month so that's why we've refused to root routinize routine eyes stay with me i'll make up words that's what i can do <clears throat> i'm a linguist linguisticist linguisticisms is what i make up <laughs> So we, so we never want to make up stuff. So we, <laughs> we never want to do that. We don't, want, we don't want this powerful thing called communion to, to be reduced to that. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but Matt, I want to I take more communion more often. To which I go, awesome. Do it. It's my hope as a pastor that, that husbands and wives, that we're taking communion together at home or with our children Breaking bread, taking communion, or, or in our small groups. What, what is more powerful than this group of people that you've been hanging with every week or every other week for several months in a row? To, to periodically stop and go, hey, let's, let's break bread together. Let's enjoy juice together. Let's take the Lord's communion together. Wow! That's powerful. So we're not going to make a ritual or a routine out of it. But we're going to do it several times a year here on Sunday morning as we feel like the Lord would want it to, as it fits in what we're doing, and then we're going to put the emphasis back on you to say, man, do it in your homes, do it in your small groups. That's what we want. That's where we feel like communion has the most power. And let me say a word about prayer as well. Because, see, at Next Level, we're constantly looking for ways to layer in spiritual disciplines in our life. And we're constantly asking the Lord, God, how do we build this, this spiritual discipline, which we believe prayer and fasting, but prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that God wants layered on our life, not just an event or a prayer meeting that we go to periodically. No, we want this to be a powerful uh, a discipline of our life. 
So we're constantly looking for ways to creatively uh, make a spiritual discipline layered into the life of our church, the culture of our church, so that it, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a couple of months and you're, you're, you're a new believer, or you've been walking with Jesus for a couple decades and you're a seasoned or, or experienced believer, we want to create spiritual disciplines that allow no matter where we are in that spectrum, all of us to participate, rather than just creating a program or a prayer meeting or whatever that would only hit a, few, a, a small percentage of people. And so we feel like that's, that's what God's given us the ability to do. And so many of you, you know this, you hear us talk about it every week, and that is that we have a prayer team that meets over by these doors at the end of every service. Listen, it, we recognize that people are coming in to these times together on Sundays with a need, with a big need in their life. Well, we believe that that prayer team is like FedEx from God. They're here to deliver what you're needing. They're here to deliver through the spiritual gift and speak into and pray through and agree with you in faith and bring a delivery. So if you've come in with a need, man, I'm expecting God to bring me something today, then that's where you go, boom. And that's why we offer that because that is an easy on-ramp for every one of us to get what we need from God. And we hear stories every single week of people whose lives have been touched and people have miracles that are happening, people needing to be pregnant or wanting to be pregnant, and they get prayed for, and it's like, mm, it ain't the water, it's the prayer. That's what I'm talking about. But see, one of the other things for us is prayer and fasting. And so many of you, if you've been around for any length of time, you know that we, we take the first Monday, the first work day of every month, and we designate that as a prayer and fasting day. Basically, we're giving the first workday of our month to God and saying, instead of dedicating myself to food, I'm going to dedicate myself to God. And again, here's what I love about this spiritual discipline. If you're a new believer, fast a meal. Try it. Do it one time. We think fasting and prayer is for everybody. We want you to do that. Experience that. Do, fast breakfast, fast lunch, whatever. If you're a seasoned believer and you're like, oh, only one day you're going to fast all month, dude. Knock yourself out. You can fast the whole week. Do it. Absolute, right? What I love about a spiritual discipline like this is you can make it as much or as little according to your relationship with Christ and according to your maturity level as you want it to be. And so we're committed to that. We're committed to the apostles' teaching. We're committed to relationship and fellowship. We're committed to communion and to prayer. Verse 43 goes on, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. See, we think when a church does this, when a church decides to pray like this, that miracles and wonders happen. And I'm just telling you, every single week we hear the stories of marriages that are being restored, of lives that are being healed, of impact that's happening, of salvation, of lost people being found through a church like this. And then in verse 44, 44, he continues on. And so he describes that they were, you know, they baptized people and they devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the communion and prayer. Verse 44, he continues on. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Okay. Hold on. So, so is, this, is this the part? Honey, where he uh, tells us that we're all supposed to sell everything and move in together and live in a commune? Because that's sort of what it looks like. No. This is not that part. <laughs> it's not going to be. Okay, listen. Th here's, here's what I want us to see. 
And, and this is important because a lot of times this verse gets misconstrued in terms of the local church and it kind of sounds like everybody just lived in one big commune and everybody was happy there singing kumbaya. That's not exactly what's happening here. I want you to understand this. This verse is speaking to a powerful principle of the first local church that has been a characteristic for us as a church for eight years and one that we are going to continue to devote ourselves to. And that is to being a generous church. We are going to continue to devote ourselves to being a generous church. Listen, I believe this means generosity for us as an organization, as an organism, as a church. But I believe that this also means we are going to continue to blow the trumpet toward us as individuals, our homes, our families, living generous lives. We believe to be like Jesus is to live a life of generosity. And we want to model that as a church and example that for us, but we also want to be able to exhort you and teach you and give each and every one of us who are part of Next Level the tools we need to be able to live generous lives. And so here's what that means. First of all, it means we're committed to giving. We're committed to giving. As a church, we take seriously the principle found in Scripture of tithing. What is tithing? Tithing is giving 10%. Giving the first 10% of all of our increase, of all the increase that comes in, giving the first 10% to God. And for eight years now, actually for more than that, because pre-day one of Next Level Church's existence, we made a commitment that the first 10% of all of the increase that would come into Next Level, we would give to the Lord. And so for eight years now, we as a church have modeled this. We have lived by this, that every week, whatever the income is that comes in, we write the first 10% right out to give it away from ourselves. Because we believe that's scriptural. And here's why we do that. We do that because we believe when God commanded it, he commanded it not for our harm, but for our good. And we believe that when we tithe, when we put God first in our finances, it invites the blessing of God on our finances. Ask anyone who's ever done it. Ask anyone who, who's committed, made that commitment to the Lord and said, I'm going to tithe, put God first in my finances. I'm telling you, the blessing, it's like God becomes your business partner. And I don't know about you, but there's no better business partner to have than God, the one who owns it all. I love that. And so listen, if, if you've never been a part of that spiritual discipline, I want to challenge you to do that. Here's a second idea in terms of this uh, committed to giving is uh, we're committed to sowing seed. Listen, I believe that there is, this is like the secret wep weapon of, of Scripture right here. And my wife and I have lived this now for 15 years. That man, when we have a need, see, we think that tithe, the tithe is just the beginning, 10% is just the beginning. And from there, as God speaks to us, as God prompts our hearts as believers, God's best for us, his desire is that you and I would sow seed. And so us as a church, we sow seed. And for, for me, I'm a believer in sowing like kind seed. So listen, we're, we need a building. <laughs> and we got one under contract, and we're believing for that. And so you know what we've done over the last several months as a church with our board of directors? We have found strategically other churches or other church plants who are believing God for a building. And we've sowed seed into their building saying, God, we're sowing seed into that building so that we're believing for a harvest with our building. I'm telling you, if you don't believe in seed sowing, there is something here. 
There is something there. And there are people in this church, and I just talked to one this week, who made a, a commitment to what God is doing. And he said, the minute I sowed seed, the minute I release it into the ground, out of my hand, amazing things begin to break loose. I'm telling you. And some of you are like, no, come on, brother. Try it. I'm just telling you. Here's a th second thought in terms of being a generous church. First of all, we're committed to giving. Number two, we're committed to being good stewards. For eight years now, we've never projected our yearly income budget for the next year. We've never said, okay, well, the income was this amount, and so next year we're going to budget this amount plus 20% or plus 30%. Listen, some churches do that. We've just, we've never done that. Matter of fact, we wrote our constitution so that we couldn't. Because we're committed to not putting pressure on the local church, putting pressure on you guys, putting pressure on our, our staff. We don't want to do that. We would never want to presume upon God. And we're committed to being good stewards. But secondly, we're committed to being good stewards individually as well. We've always tried to, to function and, and, and manage the church's resources in such a way that if you modeled your resources and your personal finances after the way the church does, you would prosper financially. That's the way we manage the church's resources. And so here's what that means for us as a church. That means that you and I can have a great amount of security going forward, knowing that every dollar we spend, everything we do is done in good stewardship. But secondly, it means that we want to position you and put the tools in your hands to be able to, to be wise financial stewards. Again, listen, this is the first generation in America who's actually grown up in, in a system that never taught us basically how to balance a checkbook, how to handle our money, how to spend less than we earn. Uh, this, is, this is a generation where, and I'm including myself in that, where we were never taught those things by and large. And so we see our role as a church as, as having a responsibility to help us, you and I, be wise financial stewards. And here's why. Because strapped people are not generous people. That if you're spending every penny that goes out, that comes in, there's none left over to be generous. Well, we think Jesus wants us to live generous lives. Well, the only way to do that is to get our financial house in order to such a degree that there's, number three, margin left. We're committed to margin. Margin is the distance between where you are and the edge of the cliff. And some of us financially are living way beyond margin and we're living way beyond the cliff. And we're like the roadrunner hanging out over the cliff financially going, it's not going to end well. I'm just telling you, there's a crash coming. Well, we want to help with that. And we as a church are going to commit and are committing and devoting ourselves to be a church that is a generous church. In terms of giving, in terms of good stewardship, and in terms of teaching and positioning you with the tools and resources you need to live inside of margin. We're devoting ourselves to that. Finally, let me say this. We're committed to helping the poor and the forgotten and those who've fallen on hard times. When it comes to being a generous church, Luke chapter 12 burns in our hearts where Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Next Level Church, listen, we recognize that we as a church and the individual families that make it up, we have been given so much. 
And I want you to know that the next eight years and beyond of Next Level Church are going to be spent taking full responsibility for the lost and the hurting and the broken and the forgotten. Who's headed up to Tampa on Thursday of this week? And before I headed out of town, I dropped my kids off at school, and I was as I was heading toward the interstate, I just felt such a prompting, such an urgency in my heart for our communities downtown, Sable Palms and Palmetto Courts, where we do our third Saturday outreaches, serve days. And so I turned on Veronica Shoemaker, and I went downtown, and I spent the better part of a half hour just driving those neighborhoods and praying. I was worshiping, and I was worshiping this awakening song that we've been singing. And I, I just, guys, I, I can't even begin to tell you the burden that came over my heart saying, God, we've been given so much. You've made us responsible for so much. We will not forget the poor. We will not We will never become a bless me club. We'll never become an us for no more. We'll never become, hey, check out what God's doing in here. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Listen, this is fun. This is great. But this is not the end. This is the beginning. This is where we come to plug in, get our batteries charged. Why? So that we can go and touch our neighbors, so we can go and touch those we work with, so we can go into our high schools and our middle schools and our elementary schools, so we can go into our communities downtown and let the lost know that they can be found and let the hurting know that they can be healed and let the broken know that they can be whole and let the forgotten know that they are forgotten no more. That is what we're going to be about as a church for the next eight years. We will devote ourselves to that. So then he says in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day. Every day. Listen, if there's one final thing that we're going to devote ourselves to for the next eight years and beyond, it's this. We're going to devote ourselves to the daily disciplines. I love that phrase, every day. And listen, we all know this is true. We believe that our faith is lived out and grows daily. And so we're not going to be a church that's about big events. We're not going to be a church that's about big whatevers. We're going to be a church that's about the daily. Because we believe that true life change happens daily, not in a day. And so we're going to give ourselves to the daily discipline. And for us, there is none more important than the daily discipline of reading God's word. Around here we call that soap. And we have our soap guides, and I think they're out on the foyer in, at the resource table. Listen, <laughs> there, in my opinion, there is nothing more powerful that can change your life, your life, than daily spending time with God, reading very simply one chapter of Scripture a day, and finding one verse that God will speak to your heart personally about. I am telling you, This has transformed my life and the lives of hundreds of others who have decided to soap every day, to simply spend time, scripture, observation, application, and prayer with God. So what are we going to do in the next eight years? We're going to read our Bible every day, not just read for reading's sake. We're going to read 
and then ask God for the one verse that speaks to our hearts personally because we believe more life change can happen that way than potentially any other way. It says every day. Every day. And then here's the result, verse 47. It says that they were enjoying the favor of all the people. What's the result? What's the result of a local church that prioritizes and devotes itself to these things? To baptizing people? To the message of Jesus? To the teaching of Scripture? What's the result of a a body of believers who prioritizes relationship and fellowship and doing life together and communion and, and praying for one another? What's the result of a local church that says we're not gonna back down, but we're gonna be a generous church? What's the result? The result is, first of all, favor with all the people. And secondly, the end of the verse, verse 47, says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's favor in our city and and a steady flow of salvation of people coming in. That's the result. And for eight years now, we have seen God doing that with Next Level Church, giving us favor in our city and adding to our number daily those putting their faith in Christ. So imagine this for a second, you guys. Looking back over eight years, all that God has done through a group of people who have devoted themselves to this, imagine what God could do in the next eight years with all of us simply devoting ourselves to the Acts chapter 2 model. I believe each of us devoting ourselves to each of these things could awaken a move of God in our city, in our region of America, like we can't even imagine. What could it look like if a local church awakened? what I've asked the worship team to do. I want, I've asked them to come back and I want us to sing this awakening song. And I don't know where you're at in this whole process. I don't know where you're at in terms of involvement of our church. I really don't care. Because I think that this is for all of us. Because see, in order for us to become the church that God wants us to become next level and step into the responsibility of leadership here locally and nationally as well, it's going to require each one of us making a determination and a dedication stepping up in each of these areas so as the worship team comes back and begins to sing this awakening song again I want to challenge us with this challenge where do you need to step up where do you need to step up your devotion to to teaching to Sundays if you will where do you need to step up your devotion to prayer maybe it's your devotion to relationship and fellowship you need to take that step to connect Where do you need to step up? Maybe it's a recommitment to soaping, to to getting in God's word. Where do do we need to step up? Because listen, there's there's a city at stake. There's a region. There's a nation at stake. There's a generation at stake. And they're waiting on us, you and I, to step up more fully into these things. Devote ourselves to them.
become the people God wants us to become so that we can become the church God wants us to become. So let's pray, and then the worship team is going to lead us, and I want us to reflect and worship together and re-up and commit. So, Father, right now we do that. Right now, Jesus, we pause and we say yes. We, we re-up right now in our spirit. God, we just declare and we dedicate ourselves to these things. We devote ourselves to these things, God. Through the first eight years, we give you praise. But for the next eight years and beyond, we say we will lead. We will go. We will step into the responsibility you've given us. We will not back down. We will be a generous church. We will not forget. Awaken us now. Awaken us now in Jesus' name.